If this is the one thing that kind of irritates me about my field, and it is that people go into helping situations expecting not to get paid. This, <laughs> listen, if y'all can see this look that he's giving me. <laughs> so you can, you can, like I tell everybody, you can want to change the world and help the world, but you only going to go as far as your pockets allow you to. So if your pockets allow you to go down the street and only talk to three people, that's the impact you have. Mm -hmm. Your pockets say I'm Elon Musk or I'm, I'm Bill Gates, and here is, you know, $100 million, then now you got $100 million of impact. So I know that you'll agree, enjoying myself while at work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on. So I want to invite you guys to Sidebar ATL here in Atlanta, Georgia. Sidebar, on top of the good food and live music, they have three different experiences. That means you can join me in the garden room, in the gold room if you want to try the top of the line hookah, and they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. So it's the perfect mix if you're here on business or you want to blow off some steam after work, you can meet me at Sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam. So check us out, 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta, or you can call 678-800-0741. Let's get it, work and play at the same time. Right? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and today we have a really, really dope guest. His name is Vernell Woods, and I met the man in the middle of like, just like an ad hoc brainstorming conversation. I, I don't know what I walked into, honestly. <laughs> I was like, okay, and then we, we, we I walked in and we started having real heavy talk just about like, why, what's the meaning behind our journey? Like just detaching from the system, being able to utilize our gifts and take over, right? Like okay. we literally, we went deep real we quick. Did, we did. So I'm hoping we can do the exact same thing today. Okay. Um, I know a little bit about your story, but I would okay. not do it justice. So if you would introduce yourself for the folks. Um, hello everybody, Vernell Woods, as she just uh, mentioned. Um, I'm the CEO of Moolah Mobile and Culture Wireless. Uh, my journey started probably back in Virginia, where I'm from, Suffolk, Virginia. Um, uh, in high school, I was that nerd, that, that hacker kid, right? That kid that was getting into everything I wasn't supposed to. But I also was really smart. Uh, I made really good grades, uh, but I was also a jock. So I was kind of the best, best of, of all. Of both worlds, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and so, long story short, I got into my school system, doing some stuff I probably wasn't supposed to. Um, but I made really good grades, so rather than expelling me and putting me in trouble, they gave me a job. I started working for the school system when I was, what, 15, 15 mm. or 16. Um, that's when I learned a lot more and got a lot better. Um, and I learned how to really be an innovator, a thinker on my own, and really understand the true aspects of networking, uh, hacking, you know, computer systems, just in general. I really learned a lot of it. And then from there, uh, went to Georgia Tech. Oh. Um, you know, Georgia Tech, you know, go Jackets. Did you always want to go to Georgia Tech? No. Because <laughs> no. you guys have Virginia Tech, right? Oh, no, I wasn't going to Virginia Tech. Though. Oh, that was, that was not an option. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm black. Mm -hmm. And Virginia Tech's in the middle of Blacksburg. Um, okay, I don't know much about Blacksburg. Yeah, it's... Look up Blacksburg. Okay. <laughs> look up Blacksburg. <laughs> look up Blacksburg, right? <laughs> Um, the only thing there is Virginia Tech, but, but at the same time, uh, I, I was going to, I actually had committed to Cornell. I got in pretty much everywhere, Harvard, MIT, I got everywhere, but I was going to Cornell, mm -hmm. but Georgia Tech came and told me I could keep my scholarship money. 
Mm. So I received, like, because I was doing all this crazy stuff, I was, uh, I did art, right? So I had some scholarship money sitting on the side, and then they also let me, gave me this president scholarship, and I was the first black and computer engineering to get it in the school's history. So I was like, hey, you know what? I get to be an innovator. I get to be a pioneer, be that first black, but at the same time, I get to put money in my pocket. Um, so I was yeah. like, you know what? And then if I can go to Atlanta at the same time, I really felt like I could do what I really cared about and learn mm. and be around the people that matter. What did you know about Atlanta at the time? And what year was this? 2008. Okay, 2008, yeah. What did you know about the city? Because it's morphed. Completely. Uh, yeah. It's nothing, nothing like it. Um, I, I, I come to Atlanta a few times, been to the Martin Luther King exhibits, right? <laughs> I was a Coca-Cola scholar, so I came to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola gave me some money and stuff like that. And so other than that, not much, right? I just really knew it was the mecca of black innovation yeah. and, and kind of black excellence, but most importantly, entertainment. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? Whenever something happens in the black community, it starts as cool. And Atlanta's where cool lives. Hey, listen, and so, even Moolah, <laughs> even like the name of your company, like you, you always got this little piece of coolness in you. Always, always. Moolah Mobile, Coach yeah. Wireless. It's, we understand where we are. Yeah, yeah. Going back to like the kid that you were, right? When did you start knowing who you were? Because I'm, I'm hearing this, like you recognize Atlanta as cool, which I definitely agree. I think I'm cool by default, honestly. She's like, I'm just cool anyway. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just cool no, anyway. I'm cool because I'm here. I'm cool by association. Right. But, um, but I do agree. Like, you know, some of the things like in, um, entertainment, like black people, it's, it's way more the black me mecca than it was before. Right. Um, or just in a different meaning. So when you're in Virginia, right, you started off as a geek, you got this opportunity to work for the government. You said the government or the school system? Both. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> what was your idea? Well, and then you got the best of both worlds, right? You're right. a jock and you're- Yeah, because remember, I'm a geek, but I'm also a wrestler, I'm a fighter. Yeah. So it's not, it's a little bit different. I'm playing baseball, golf, but, I'm a, but my passion is fighting. It doesn't mm. like wrestling, mixed martial arts, that's what I am. So most geeks don't live over there too often. <laughs> That's not where the geeks live. <laughs> when did you oh. recognize that was different for you? Are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now I told you about the morning meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now here's the thing. If you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app and I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community, we have a book club and it's the largest group that meets every single day. Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get a head start on entrepreneurship. So if you're still trying to grow, you don't know what your business is going to be, but you know you want to be an entrepreneur, this is the community for you. So check out the morning meetup, click the link below, download the app, and join us today. Um, I TSA. So in high school, I had this teacher named Dawn Roundtree. She was amazing. Um, she ran technology. And actually, it started probably in middle school because it was Mr. Christmas. And it was this thing called Virginia Technology Student Association. Okay. And it was like this, you just, you just got together with thousands of kids and solved really difficult pro problems. And you just were able to talk, explain, and just innovate and put your engineering mind to work. And I excelled. Mm. really well. Um, I became the state president. It was the largest student-run organization. Like, you know about like, like DECA, mm -hmm. FBLA, all, FBLA, all the things. So mm -hmm. the largest of those mm -hmm. is TSA. And it's the Technology Student Association. And so I became the president for the state. And then from there, it thrusts me into a lot of environments with innovators. 
and kids that were mm -hmm. able to innovate and think fast and on their feet. Um, and I was able to see myself thrive in that environment. And then from there, I also was thriving in the kind of computer world and hacking world. And I was also thriving in the sports world, right, where I was doing pretty well in wrestling. And then I had, you know, I was okay in baseball and I was okay in golf and I was doing pretty good. And I was captain of this, captain of that. And so it was just overwhelming sometimes, yeah. but it was almost effortless. Mm. So I don't want to say like I really was paying attention to it. I don't want to be like there was this conscious, intentional anything. I think it was just just having fun. Yeah, and it also sounds like the environment you were placing at a very young age really set you up like for your mind. I can imagine there are younger people who didn't capitalize on those opportunities, right? There were, there were students who probably weren't fit for a tech industry, right? right. But for you, you, it was the right person, right type of environment, and you did, you kind of touched on the the programmatic part of the environment but like what were your parents like obviously they were like let me put my baby in <laughs> some of my these parents, things you know i i love my parents i have a really weird relationship because when you when my parents come around and everybody else's parents it's always kind of different um so my dad and my mom they're they were really intentional about their goals mm. almost too intentional sometimes right they had this vision of what they saw um and they were trying to always just put me in the position to excel and so when we moved to Suffolk, we moved to the environment where we were like all black people, then a little bit of black people, then it was like no black people, right? And, <laughs> and you know, I think, I think most middle, you know, middle class black people, we go through that process where, where you're like, okay, I'm in an environment now, there isn't a lot of us, mm -hmm. and now you're having to thrive in that kind of world. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they equipped me a lot for being able to excel, mm -hmm. right? It, it, was, it was some harsh realities that I learned young. Like, hey, you're going to go out there, you're going to play a sport, you're the only one that's here, and yeah. you're playing a sport that's not built for you, so yeah. it's going to be some adversity. You better, you better be twice as good. You want to make the All-Star team? Be twice as good. You want to you wanna get these opportunities? Don't make a B. Have the best. And, yeah. and so it was, it was really rigorous, right? Everybody in my family would be like, let him relax, let him calm down. But they were always pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, and, and now I'm really grateful for that um, because I think it's allowed me to be who I want to be. For them, they're gonna be like, I pushed him too much, now he don't listen to nobody. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, for me, it really allowed me to really learn how to thrive in every environment. And that created a fearless, like a fearless attitude that I don't need to, it doesn't matter whether I'm walking into Google, Microsoft, a school system, I, I don't care. Yeah. I know how to thrive and excel. Yeah, yeah. I want to get into your story a little bit more, but I think that I would be remiss if we didn't share with you guys, one, why this man is extremely amazing, and I knew it from like the first five minutes, right? So we talked about uh, Moolah Mobile, right? And uh, I want to, like, the story is, is probably going to really like blow us away, but tell us about the company. Tell us about the impact that you guys are having on the world. So Moolah Mobile and Culture Wireless, well, first off, just focusing on Moolah Mobile, our objective was to understand and improve the amount of cash flow that was going into the low-income communities worldwide, period, hard mm -hmm. stop, mm -hmm. right? We just looking at the discrepancy between races, and not, this isn't just a black-white thing, right? Because there's some white communities that are that are struggling, there's some Latino mm -hmm. communities that are struggling, mm -hmm. but looking at the disparities between the poor and the rich and with a focus on the communities I come from, which are black communities, I was looking at the situation and saying, how can we 
really make it so that an extra hundred dollars goes into everyone's pocket, right? Can we can we shift the wealth gap by five percent? Mm-hmm. And when we do that, can we also give each other the amount, the tools we need, the apps that are helpful? Can we learn how to save? Can we, all the things that I learned mm-hmm. in these unique environments that I was thrust into, that I had to learn to excel, when I go home, nobody knows these things. Yeah. But when you try and push all that information at once, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It just completely over people's head. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, for this to for us to improve where we are and for the progress that we hear Obama and everybody talking about, what we really have to do is we not only have to give additional information and learning and things like that to be able to know what to do, you have to push additional resources as well. And so what I felt was that with Moolah Mobile, I would be able to take an industry that was thriving, growing ex- in an insane way with mobile phones and combine that with an industry that was doing the exact same thing in advertising, mm-hmm. trillion dollars that's being spent and redirect it in a better way, in a way that was more impactful for our community. Mm-hmm. So if Facebook is gaining billions of dollars and Amazon's gaining billions of dollars and all this ad money is flowing and they're really just stealing your information and selling it to somebody else whether you get your approval or not. Now it's getting a little better, but that's really what they were doing, mm-hmm. especially back when we started this. We we're like, well, can we just take that same revenue and just only pocket a third of it and give a third of it to the people and give a third of it to the phone companies so we have loyalty and we have a, an ecosystem where all of us can work together. We can bring in those additional apps that help and, and the different tools from the government, mm-hmm. right? You can bring in Humana and all the different government programs, put it in one device and then take that money, that third of the money that was making them a billion and put it into those devices as well. And now you just handed someone a tool that they need to change their life and you're not forcing them to go through some corporate entity, some corporate structure, some educational system. You're literally allowing them to use the internet and the ability to learn the way it now exists for everybody and you're just giving it to them at the palm of the hand. Productively, right? I'm thinking of the word like even learning how to not just be a consumer and use the phone as just a telephone or to get on these other like apps that help other corporations is to use it for your benefit. Correct. That's amazing. Have you ever like identified yourself as a social entrepreneur or any of the sort? I've heard the term, right? Okay. So this wasn't my first company. My first company was called Yopima. Um, that's where TI came in. Mm. Uh, so when I was in Atlanta, um, after I came to Georgia Tech, I, I went to a few places and I realized it wasn't for me. I was at Raytheon Integrated Defense Systems doing weapons design, like crazy stuff. And I just was like, corporate America, dead. Right? Not working. We got it. You said we well, gonna yeah. get there. Okay. We gonna get there. But, like, that just wasn't working for me. And so yeah. I came back and I was like, this is a by any means situation. So there wasn't a lot of investors. And I was like, but I know my community and I know where the money exists. So I'm gonna go to where the money exists. And in Atlanta, the money exists in the entertainers, the Mm. street. Um, The number one artist at that time was T.I. So I went to T.I., partnered and got him to invest. And that was my first half a million. How did you get him to invest? I, wow, this is a story. Um, So, but it's really not that that crazy, right? So I'm at Georgia Tech. I'm like, all right, 
I know how to thrive in this environment, but there's a whole bunch of rich kids here. Mm -hmm. So a whole bunch, I didn't know what Woodward Academy was, so there's just a whole bunch of rich kids here. And I was like, you know, the crazy part about the rich kids is that they're always around the entertainers. Mm. So I went to the athletes and I found the richest kids on campus. I was like, hey, now one of y'all connect me to whoever you know in the entertainment industry. And I got connected to a kid named Wilson Warren. And Wilson was like, hey, I'm connected to BMF, a few others, it, which was crazy. This white kid, kid like, I love Wilson and that's kind of quirky, but very speaks his mind, is going to say what is on his mind, but he fits in both environments. Mm. And so he's like, hey, I can connect you to Tip, but I can't do the intro. That's not how that works. <laughs> I can just tell you where he's going to be at, and you on your own. Okay, that's real. I was like, yo, that's... What was his philosophy behind that? Do you know? He's not, I'm not gonna speak on that. I'm gonna let him okay. speak on that. That's, gotcha. that's for another time. Okay. I'm gonna let him speak on that. But he was like, he's gonna be at Six Feet Under, <laughs> which was a restaurant right down the street mm -hmm. um, from Georgia Tech. So I went there, I saw him at the bar, his security was around him. I went in, took my little deep breath, walked up, pushed, you know, and you gotta know me, I'm like five two, the security's like six four, and there's like five of them around him and he's sitting behind. I'm just like, I push my way through. I walk into him at a bar and I'm like, hey, I can make you a billion dollars. And I'm the smartest person you've met and I can, I can do something you've never seen. Do you wanna listen or not? And he just looked at me and was like, and he, he just literally stared for like a good two, three minutes, just like staring at me. He didn't even say anything. And he's like, just pull up a seat. And I pulled up a seat and I told him who I was. And his first response was bull. He was like, bull, I don't wanna, I don't know, like mm -hmm, bull crap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you've done these things. I don't believe this is where you are. And so. So he's calling BS. Complete BS. Okay. Complete BS. So I'm like, put me to the test. So he introduced me to his lawyers. They wanted to do diligence. They called Gary May, which is the dean, who was the dean at that time of engineering. They called the government. They called some government programs and, and some people that I said I was affiliated with. And they did due diligence through and through. And then yeah. he came back and was like, either you're the best hustler in the world I've ever met, or you're the most unique person I've ever met. I'm not going to be able to tell you what you should or shouldn't do, but I can tell you you need protection and help. I'm in. And ever since then, that's been my partner. Since 2000, you said 2008. That was, that was in 2012. That's amazing. 2012, 2013, yeah. And now, you're in all these different programs, right? Had you ever been in a career development program or had anyone ever like told you how to approach someone? The first thing you said is, I can make you a billion dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Did you practice that before you came no. in? Like, this is just all natural, right? Yeah, like, it's, I'm a fighter. Mm. Right, so when you're, when, you're, when you're a fighter and you're used to being an outcast or the anomaly, you realize that you got a very short amount of time and the other person's attention span is very short. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand what they care about and how to motivate them. And sometimes you got 30 seconds. Wow. Tip cares about money. And he cared about that. That was where his focus was. But he also cared about the community. Mm -hmm. So I appealed to both. Tell me the name of the company again, the no, first one. Yopima, Y-O-P-I-M-A. That yeah. company was crazy. We, and it's actually still around, right? Um, we were, I was young, don't judge me. 
Um, don't don't judge me. That y'all don't judge me. I'm sorry. Um, but but I was I was trying to figure out the best clubs to go to. I kept I was in Atlanta. I'm young. I'm fresh. I'm wild. Right. It is what it is. And I'm going to these parties and I'm realizing it. Then I'm going to the clubs and I'm like, y'all are saying there's this many girls here, but it's really not. And y'all saying and the girls. I'm listening to the girls like, okay, they frustrated because the guys that are thinking they're there are not there. Mm -hmm. And these lines wrapped around all the building. I'm around every club and I'm like, you're playing a game. So your Pima just literally took the latitude and longitude of every single club. And every time people got close to it, it would tell you how many girls and guys were really there. Mm. And show you who was inside. And let you choose which club you went to based off of who was already there. Like the female to male ratio. And then the, and then the way it worked was the females, once you got inside, the females, you could message a female, but she had to respond to you. And if she didn't respond, you lost access to her the moment she left. So it put the females in control. We gained way too many users, way too fast. Are you serious? Way too, listen. Wait a minute. So, so wait, the, you, this is a great <laughs> so, so I'm sitting here and, I, and this time literally, cause I'm Joe, I'm, I just created like, I'm in music production enclave and, and Jordan sex fun, but it's really not that hard. It's mm. really not that challenging, but I'm really just experiencing Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I'm around people. I'm around things. I, I ain't never seen this amount of women. I ain't never seen this. I'm like, Jesus Lord, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm like 20, 21. This is, this is a new situation. Yeah, it, 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 your, your mind is like, okay, so how can I capitalize on you this? Would, my mind is my mind, right? You can't, you can't get rid of that. And so yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, well, how do I capitalize on it? And that's what I, that's what I created. Mm -hmm. And so Tip, of course, is like, yes. I'm in on that. Mm -hmm. And so we went and took over the Maserati dealership of New York. We went and did tours all around the country and we gained almost like a million users in three months. Wow. My infrastructure was only built to handle 75,000. Wow. Did not understand that. Like I wasn't, I was young in my entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. But we also, from that, we also got the patent for comparative geofencing. So when you own, when you use location in your phone, yeah, that's called geofencing, mm -hmm. right? Geolocation. That's the same thing that um, remember the game like when like Pokemon was real. That's the same thing, right? Okay. I own the patent for comparing geofences. So when you want to say this person's in this area, this person's in this person in this area, so the advertiser sell this ad to this person. That's my pet. Now I understand how you can tell the difference between the female and the male. Because I was wondering you had to opt in and but you already had this information because like it's already existing. Oh wow. So you just download the app, you create a profile and I know everything. Yeah, wow. Okay, got you. So that was that was that. And then from there, um, oh my goodness, it just it just grew. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we ended up pivoting because I just didn't build it the right way. Mm -hmm. um, but we were like, you know what, let's let's come back to it. We're going to come back to your team in a little bit. But okay. let's, we can use this location based technology a little better. Absolutely. So that's I was going to ask you, would you consider you kind of in your mind? I can hear your answer. But um, I was going to say, do you consider your Pima your first failure in business or what would you consider that in your book? Um, failure is a really weird word for me, mm -hmm. right? Because failure is one of those words that has this negative connotation to yeah. it. But for me, I, I look at them as stepping stones. Mm -hmm. And I don't really look at stepping stones as failures. Failures, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like when you say that. That's, that's not a failure. What yeah, that yeah. is is a learning process, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, in business, they'll say fail quick. Like quickly, yes. quick, move quick. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing that, there's an understanding that you're going to get it wrong. 
And if you're looking at getting it wrong as failure, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot more mental battles mm. that are unnecessary. That's that's real. Even to use the word in the vernacular, I'm thinking of um, an interview Kobe Bryant did one time, and he was saying the exact same thing, right? And so he he searches for the failure, right? Mm. And it's just like. But before you have that mindset, you're right. I think that you start to internalize failure in a negative way as it should be an encouragement. You haven't gotten it. You, got, I said, you haven't been hit in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a fighter. Everybody's crazy until they get hit in the mouth and they fall. Mm-hmm. And then once you've fallen a few times, you're like, okay, I know how to get up. That's and gone. once you understand how to get up, it doesn't really feel like falling no more. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like getting stronger. Mm-hmm. So most people that I talk to, they haven't fallen enough. Gotcha. So because they haven't fallen, it's like, oh my God, I'm afraid of failing. What if I do this wrong? What if this goes left? What if this is it? Shut up. Just, you're going to fall. You ain't did it before. Now get up. Now fall again. Now get up. Now fall and get up. You know, and so, and then eventually you're going to start walking. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned the story, right? After asking about like the um, social, social yeah. um, entrepreneurship. Yeah. And even like as you string it together, it's like, you know, T.I.'s motivation, right, for money, but then also his community, his civic mind itself, and then kind of taking it back to when you mentioned Moolah, it started with this very, like, social justice reason. So you're talking about your first business endeavor, and I'm assuming now it's, there's it's, gonna, it grew, right? Yeah. Because so at, fir- at first it was more like, I'm 21, I'm just, I'm really trying to understand business. Yeah, yeah. Then it grew to, now that I'm growing business, why is it that T.I. is saying he can't walk into this room? Oh, I was thrown off. Mm. When I'm raising money, a tip is like, hey, they're going to receive you better than they receive me because of what I've been through. So we're going to play good cop, bad cop. And I'm actually going to be the good cop. Oh, that threw me for a I'm like the most notorious. What you mean you the good guy and I'm the bad guy? What you mean? He's like, I need you to recognize who you are. You are the fear. You are frightening. You are saying that you can create whatever you want to create. So as we're doing this and I'm learning this, I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, There's a real problem, right? There's a disconnect between the money, the resources, and our community. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was there from history books. I knew it was there from grandma conversation and mama conversation, but I never felt it. Right. But I felt it when I went through and I was trying to raise money that first time. Mm And then even having Tip on my team, I felt it even more because I now felt it from his perspective. And his perspective said, I got 30, 50 million dollars in my pocket and it's still the same. So I was like, okay, I gotta approach this different. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think differently. So immediately, I, right after that, I became the tech director for David Purdue. Okay, doing tech director for David Purdue. Break Do you know it down. Who David Purdue is? I don't. David, so the current, so the biggest election going on in Georgia right now is David mm-hmm. Purdue versus Stacey Abrams. Wow. David Purdue was the U.S. senator for Georgia, and now is Donald Trump's number one supporter because Georgia's a battleground state. So Obama just came behind. The Obama's just Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Well, before all of this, right when it started, during David Purdue's first campaign. I didn't understand either side. I would, I didn't care about sides, mm-hmm. being honest. Mm-hmm. I was learning. Mm-hmm. So I came in to lead his technical efforts for Georgia. So I understood the whole Republican side, the entire internals for how to win an election. Wow. And we built some really creative stuff to help David Perdue win that first election. 
Can you say? Okay. <laughs> Listen, we built some really, really crazy stuff that that allowed that allowed them to be able to analyze Facebook data, mm -hmm. to be able to communicate and understand who we're marketing to, mm -hmm. and even be able to alter messages based on where you were. Right. I really just put my brain towards that. Now, after that first campaign and that first, you know, that first one. Um, I learned a lot about politics, so we, we, I'm not going. I'm gonna stay out of that for a few years. I'm gonna get back eventually. Don't worry. But for right now, I need to make some more money to be dealing with them. <laughs> I'm just real. Okay. I'm just real. But but for them. Can you say though, like, because I'm trying to understand, like, why? Like, is it because, like, you know, it takes more uh, polit like politicking within politics to make things happen versus you being able to focus on business and making money, or is it just like? Or even it takes longer to make change. Like, what is your thought at a high level? On a high level, it's politics is a game of power. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. And power comes with resources and the ability to sway people. Mm -hmm. And without those things, your ability to play politics is limited mm -hmm. because you don't have leverage. Got it. I didn't have enough leverage. Okay. But I realized T.I. didn't have enough leverage either. But I know somebody that did, which was David Perdue. So rather than trying to figure out how to do that, I dove in, went inside, and figured out what that power was and how we got it. Wow. So I could do the same. Okay. How long did you spend on his team? About six months. Okay. Six months to, well, about six months to a year. Okay. So. so I feel like there's a, there's, there's you, your entrepreneurial self, you went in, worked for Dave Purdue. What happened next? So from there, then I understood and then I understood what was happening. And then uh, some serendipity happened. There was a group in Texas. And Donald Trump, this is right after that, I'm, I'm working on a couple new ideas right after David Perdue. And Donald Trump is beginning to run for the next campaign. Mm. And they're seeing that he's probably going to win. But there's this program Obama had put in place called uh, Lifeline, which everybody knows as Obama phones. Oh, okay. I did not know that. So there, there was like 20, 30 million people that get free government phones because Obama was basically saying at that time that mobile phones was just like water, gas, everything else. And so everyone needed this. It's essential, it's an essential mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. So they got Congress to designate large amounts of money and then they went and got mobile virtual, like phone companies to be able to give away free phones and the government would give them $9.25 every single month. Okay. So if, they, so if your phone service costs less than that, then they can make money by giving you a free phone. And right now, to this day, there's still 20, 30 million people on that program. But they thought Donald Trump was gonna cut it, leaving 20, 30 million people out back, done. And so they came to me, they were like, hey, we know what you've done. We saw what you just did with David Purdue. We know what you've done in some other arenas. Come over here with us for a little bit. Let, me, let us borrow your mind for a little bit. 
and um, that's what happened. The Trump administration? No, this is the phone companies. Got it. The phone companies that are afraid of the Trump administration mm. said we need a way to offset that $9.25. Just in case they cut it. In case they cut it. Mm -hmm. So all these people can keep getting service. Do you think it was so they can keep getting service or so they can keep getting that back in? To be honest, it's the same thing. Okay. Right? I, okay. Everybody, you, mm -hmm. Everybody's motivation here is money. When you, when you understand how this works, it's money. So mm. they understand we want money, I want money. So when we want to help the people, it's very rare that you're like, I want to help the people and I'm okay being broke doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm okay being broke doing it. Well, that's the funny thing. Quick segue though, I have to share with you though, I'm, I, I'm about to get my master's in social work. Right. And there's one thing, if, if this is the one thing that kind of irritates me about my field, and it is that people go into helping situations expecting not to get paid. I, this, <laughs> listen, if y'all can see this look that he's giving me. <laughs> if y'all can give me the look that he is giving me right now. I think that is this right here that you're sharing it is it's a mindset that it's just a seed that needs to be planted in individuals who want to do good because oftentimes social workers will like cast themselves out to do good things and not expect the money on the back end but as you're describing the power the the motivation all that stuff is centered around the money and if you really want to do good you have to be able to know your way around these two things you have to have both dang so you can, you can, like I tell everybody, you can want to change the world and help the world, but you only going to go as far as your pockets allow you to. So if your pockets allow you to go down the street and only talk to three people, that's the impact you have. Mm -hmm. Your pockets say I'm Elon Musk or I'm, I'm Bill Gates and here is, you know, $100 million, then now you got $100 million of impact. Mm -hmm. It sounds like in this moment, um, this was one of the first realizations as you're sharing your story that um, you know that there's a gap right you knew through the textbooks history books aunties like that kind of stuff but you hadn't felt it until your first business endeavor right and that you went into like working with david purdue and even the phone companies with a different mindset right what did that inform you to do next yeah what that informed <clears throat> me to do was to get your keep your stuff together and most importantly recognize what you don't know mm. right the the like the fear most people was having that most people have is that I don't know everything. I don't know. I don't know finances. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't. None of them knew it either when they started. It's just, do you have the wisdom to say out loud and the courage to say out loud? I don't know it. I know that I don't know it. But I know how to find someone that does and how to trust them. That's, that's difficult. Were you not like that before? Would no. you say ego got no? No, I won't go. I, I struggle with that now. Like, <laughs> can, we, can we just call a spade a spade? Like, that's, that's the human nature in us, right? It's just, it's just understanding that sometimes that ego inside of you wants you to be like, I don't like there being stuff I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, don't like, I don't like that. But when I was around Tip, Tip kept saying something that I, that I took from him. He was just like, yo, I got three times as much money as you, but I'm always going to be the dumbest person in the room. Mm. And as long as I'm the dumbest person in the room, I always got something to gain. But I was so used to being the smartest person in the room that I had built my career, built everything on being the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I learned to be the dumbest person in the room that I started excelling. Wow. 
When would you say that that realization? In the middle of moolah. It wasn't even at the beginning of moolah. It Dang. Was, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm be real. Yeah, like, yeah. It wasn't even at the beginning, right? Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to go through some L's. You're mm -hmm. gonna have to take something and be like, okay, you know what? I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta remove my ego. I gotta, I gotta realize. Cause sometimes you're like, okay, I know how to code. I know how to develop. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. But then you forget those five things on the back that you learn in corporate America. And I'm like, okay, I remember in corporate America, there's a reason why there's all these departments and all these people and all these different things that are here. There's, yeah. a, there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. So rather than looking at corporate America as something bad, I went back to my corporate America people, looked at their infrastructure and how they built their company and started duplicating it. Let's talk about it from the front end. Cause this, I, I totally understand. And I want you guys to pick that up about like you, the fact that you went back for the infrastructure. I mean, the well, infrastructure, but also Intel is the word I was looking for. Yeah. But going in, you had one perception. So you had, you had all this experience, you had done all these cool things, right? Tapped into some amazing projects. What was it that um, ended, like drove you to go get a job in corporate? <clears throat> oh, I never got a good job in corporate. I just did that while I was in college. Ah, I would, like, internships? Internships that turned into real jobs. But it, because like they would be like, hey, you're an intern. Wait, you can do way more than an intern. Okay, you know what, just go ahead. Just, just go ahead, we'll mm -hmm. tell you a little more. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was, but no, like corporate America, that, that wasn't, in this, in this entrepreneurial world, it's gonna take 10 years. For what? For you to learn how to raise money. If you do it for, well, it doesn't have to. If you have the people, the network, the understanding, all the stuff that I know now, if you already got that, go for it. You might get that in a couple years, right? But if you like me, mm -hmm. you're gonna need to know, all right, how do I put together this pitch deck? How do I sell? All right, I went through the little accelerator, but that accelerator didn't tell me how to adjust this pitch based on the person I'm sitting in front of. This person's motivation is this. This person's motivation is that. It didn't tell me to ask questions first. Mm -hmm. Always know what you care about before mm -hmm. I even talk about what I care about to make sure that I can paint a narrative towards your desires, your, desire. your goal. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not going to know that when you start. Right? Mm. Those are details, right? Being able to create a team. How do I hire someone that is worth $300,000 and I can only give them fifteen? How do I get them to work on my team? How do I motivate them? How do I, how do I go to celebrities and how do I work with those kind of people? How do I, how do I, how do I do proper accounting, billing, taxes? Like, how do I handle human resources? How do I fire someone, hire someone? How do I get sued, right, and go to court, right? How do you, like, there's so many things that you have to know hmm. or at least have to have people around you that know. Yeah to be able to do this well. How do I go and get my lawyers? How do I get the right attorneys to, to know when I should be an LLC and when do I become a C-Corp? Okay, wait, and yeah, this investor right here just literally kicked me out the door because I walked in and said I was an LLC. How would I know that? All these experiences, like, no, I understand. Like one, without, like sometimes without a mentor, even sometimes your mentor can't even help you, right? But life experiences is what you learn. I'm differentiating like all those experiences that you shared these are things that you learned in entrepreneurship and you're saying that you got a foundation of it from corporate. I see it as two and you can help me like um, delineate like where you see the line. I feel like um, you understanding like you working with David Perdue and understand like power dynamics and those type of things. I think that comes from you kind of learning the way it goes. Then the 
what corporate teaches you is like the pitch deck, the structure, that kind of stuff. Where do you differentiate what you learn by life? Like you can't speed that part up versus the stuff that people can be aware of while they're still in corporate. Corporate America, the only way you're gonna learn what I learned in corporate America is to be the CEO. Mm. You're not gonna be, if you're not going to raise money for your company, if you don't gotta go to the market, right, and say, hey, I'm responsible for the numbers this month and whether we met our revenue goals for the quarter or saying, hey, you gave me $3 million and it's my job to turn that into five in X amount of time. If that's not your job, it may feel like you're learning it all, but you're not. Mm-hmm. You're learning the segment that they want you to learn, mm-hmm. right? And so understanding it from that perspective and saying, hey, you know what? I need this person to know that part. Corporate America never asks one person, very rare, right, to know all of it. So you're saying that it wasn't that you went back to corporate America to understand how to do business a little bit differently. You just understood that if I want to have my own business, I have to set up these different departments, these the silos, the processes. They, this is how all corporate America taught me was how to scale. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm with it. It, it wasn't about that I learned how, entre- I didn't learn entrepreneurship from corporate America in any way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was a waste of time, which is why for me, I told Georgia Tech in school, I will never work corporate America. You cannot pay me to work corporate America. Google can't pay me. Have you, I, none of y'all can pay me to go into this environment because what it is that you're doing is giving me a job in a silo in this fixed area and saying, this is your world. Yeah. You can climb as long as it doesn't affect the other silos. But you can never disrupt the ecosystem. But you can't disrupt the ecosystem. Mm -mm. And for me, I'm a natural disruptor. So that meant that hmm, no matter what, you're always gonna have an uncomfortable limit. Yeah. An uncomfortable ceiling above you, always. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And coming from a disruptor's position, I can think of the times where I recognized I was a disruptor, but I wasn't prideful about it. I was like, what's going on around me? Do you have stories of when you recognize like, one, I'm a disruptor, but then two, things weren't going your way in corporate. Every day, every like. Well, I mean, I wasn't there long, so mm-hmm. I don't wanna. I don't wanna like when you're when you're an intern, then you get a normal software position, and mm-hmm. then you start doing stuff like that. It don't take that long to recognize a shitty situation. It don't take really long. <laughs> it don't. It don't take long. And so when you're there, I'm sitting. I'm like, I just made fourteen thousand. I'm up. I'm nineteen. I'm winning. I just made fourteen thousand. Hold up. Then I look at the sheet and I look at the contract. Well, y'all made 14 million off what I just did? Dead. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done, mm-hmm. right? There, no matter how you look at this, I'm done. Now, and for their reasons, they can have all these, now I understand now, there's all these other things that go into place to execute that that mm-hmm. I didn't understand then, but still, no. Even (laughs) to your point, right? It's like, uh, and I've I've heard this story many times, like when you have a sales job or a commission job or some type of um, development job where the the bottom line is a million or two and your your take home is probably your salary, which is somewhere in like 60 to 100,000, which is a fraction of the work that you put into um, the the money is a fraction, but the work that you put into it was a love of uh, labor of love. But then we realize like, okay, there's so much that goes into how a a corporation generates this money. So when you went out to create your own business, did you ever experience like that thought of, okay, how can I, like you mentioned, like I didn't know that there was so much that went into it. 
did you ever go into it like how can I create this as an individual when this company this big mammoth of a corporation was able to do it Nah, what I look at <clears throat> the way I look at it is more like if if this big corporation understands how to do this mm -hmm. where were they when they started I don't care about where they are now that's irrelevant where they are now, that's comparing apples and oranges. I'm comparing 30 years of excelled experience to the first month of mine. Mm -hmm. That's not comparable. So if I want to compare where was their first month and where was my first month, and when did they realize that they needed more people, and when do I realize I need more people? What kind of people did they add? What kind of people am I adding? What are the steps they're taking for success? What are the steps I'm taking to, for success? If you're already in corporate America, it's really hard to do that because you're already looking at the the elephant. You're looking at the you're looking at that 30 years of experience. Right. So you're so focused on that. You're not going. Let me step out of this and realize how they got here. Mm -hmm. Ignore what they're paying me. Ignore all of that. How did they get here? Mm -hmm. And so that perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think is what what was driving me. So when I went in and I created Moolah. I teamed up with a guy uh, that was one of the people that was owning a phone company that was afraid Obama was going to cut, cut the program. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and said, how'd you build your business? What worked? What didn't work? And the difference this time was I didn't rush. The first time with TIP, I wanted to rush. They give you half a million, you need to make that back quickly. I didn't really understand the power of having money and not having to rush. Mm. being able to say, you know what, I can take my time. But what that meant was don't raise as much money, over, don't, don't run so quickly, right? Let's start making sure your I's are dotted, T's are crossed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why I'm saying it takes that, that time. Normally the CEOs that you see at these, uh, these big, big companies, mm -hmm. they didn't just get there. They started one place and they went somewhere else and went somewhere else and then they've been in those kind of roles for 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. So all the things I'm saying, they already know. So in corporate America, the difference that I've seen with a lot of my friends that are in corporate America that wanna switch, they wanna know the same thing the CEO knows because they were a lead developer and now all of a sudden they know what a CEO knows. It's crazy how that works, though. Right. People come out, I'm a boss, and he's like, Ooh. Listen, I, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I love the energy. Yes, yes. That energy is the right energy to mm -hmm, have, mm -hmm. but it's more like saying, okay, I'm a boss when I know how to do this, 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 and then I'm a real boss when I've done it. Yeah. And then, then they gonna believe I'm a boss when I've done it more than once. And then the market is gonna believe I'm a boss when I can do it when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. That's a very rare realization. Like you said, that energy is what, what happens, right? And through that, a naive energy, right? You learn and then you become a boss, right? Because you've taken so many L's along the way. But it sounds like when you made your exit, which I think is a blessing that you didn't stay in corporate that long. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? Because that, is, have you ever read The Alchemist? Uh, yes. You know it in essence? Yes, I know it in essence. In essence, if you don't follow your vision, if you don't follow your purpose, then it starts, that whisper right. starts to turn down. And so while you took action, and I wanna know what that action was, like when did you decide to leave? Um, while you took action, you were able to follow that, that passion, keep the fire burning, when a lot of great people, and I can't say like you, cause like, you know, none of us are like, we are, you're unique, but you are definitely unique. 
But there's someone in corporate right now who just let that whisper or that voice turn into a whisper, turn into like almost mute. You know what? It's it's a very thin line between a lot of people view my way of looking at things as ego, mm. but it's really not, right? Mm. They're like, he's so bullheaded. He's so one track mind. He won't get deterred. He won't. But at the same time, he you can't, it's hard to shake him. It's hard to move him. It's hard to, even when you're partnering with him, it's hard to get him off of a line. That's intentional. That's very intentional mm. because when you're doing something like this, you have to have the mindset to say, I'm 22. If it takes till I'm 35, it takes till I'm 35. I ain't moving. If I don't have enough cash, look like we're gonna be out the garage for a little while, I'm gonna find a side hustle, but I'm not quitting. Yeah. And I'm not moving. And that, most of my friends, most of my partner, they don't have that. They're, they're, they're afraid of being broke. And I'm like, whew, that's a real struggle. If you're afraid of being broke, but you're gonna tell him you're gonna make him rich. That those don't Mindsets, go to, those yeah. don't go together. <clears throat> those don't go together. You gotta know how to, you know what? I know how to be broke. I'm okay being broke, but I also know how to go get it. So because I know how to go get it, it doesn't matter what L I take, I'm gonna get back up because I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to help me find my comfort. I don't need your salary to help find that. The only people that I've seen really with that, like consistently, is the people in the street. I know this is backwards, right? And you're like, why would you work with the people in the street? Because in corporate America, you're already in a place where you're accepting help and a different kind of help that means that some of us are willing to get in on our own. Don't get it wrong, because there's a lot of us that are right on that edge, like, Yo, I gotta go. Mm -hmm. But majority, I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to be comfortable, I'm trying to have my comfortable salary, and then I'll dibble and dabble outside of that. There is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's a choice, right? But this journey is not for them. <laughs> I'm just real. <laughs> this journey isn't for them. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not what it is. Um, you have to be willing and able to, to just stay with it. And that, and that, to me, I think is, if there was one thing that I think that I've done that's been the most unique, but also challenging, is having the mindset to where you can't deter me. And even if I, I'm, I'm up, down, left, right, you're not gonna take me off my goal. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about your decision to leave corporate. It was super early, I know it was off of an internship, but, um, and I'll share this with you. When I left corporate, one of my, I would consider her mentor, she said, you're so short-sighted. You can leverage this department, that department, and maybe like four or five years, you'd be able to get to where you wanted to go. For me, I'm like, nah. Like, the, like, whatever the system can offer me, I know I can get it on my own. I don't know how, I literally, I just know I can. But to be like to be told that, I cannot lie and say that it didn't affect me for like months. I'm like, dang, am I short-sighted? I was told the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I would be <clears throat> lying to say that, that, that they weren't being truthful. Mm -hmm. There's multiple ways to skin a cat. Got it. Right? Mm -hmm. If you can go in and say, hey, you know what? Let me go into this company go talk to the CEO, convince the CEO to tell me everything he knows, mm -hmm. get this department head to tell me everything he knows, this department head to tell me everything he knows, then what I can do is I can get there 20 times faster than him who's having to go learn it on their own. That's real. But you better understand that you better go all the way to the top. And if you're not doing that, then you're, gonna, you're, you're kind of being gamed a little bit, right? Because you can say, yeah, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, then you can do that. My first question is, okay, did you do it? Do you know how? 
or are you giving me what you think? That's real. Because if you're giving me what you think, then you're probably just as bad as the street because mm -hmm. the street's telling me what they think. So now I gotta choose which one of y'all. I seen them go and get a million on their own. You still take that $200,000 check and you at the top mm. and you in a good spot. So you telling me to stay in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if because you taking that like, do you really know how or are you just trying to keep me in? Are you spitting game to me, the game that they've taught you? That's how I took it, which, you know, that's how I it, took And it. I'm, I'm not here to say it's <clears throat> either one, right? I just, because I know there is multiple ways to, to skin a cat. But, but what you said was, you know, talking to the executive in this department, the executive in that department, the CEO. And if you're not doing that, then you're not making, you might think you're making headway, but you're not making headway unless you are somehow building social capital of your own that you can take. I think they, like you said, multiple ways to skin a cat. But let's not forget that the streets sound like they are a mentor on the side. So how did your, how did yeah. the streets help you with oh, this the transition? Are, the streets are like, listen, that's, that's my, that's one of, I learn a lot. I learned a lot from them, right? It's, it's actually strange. I don't want you to tell the story, but it's strange because like you come from Virginia, you're this geeky, geeky kid, got into these programs, you knew your mind was amazing, right? You come to Atlanta, cool, right? Influenced by one of the greatest rappers in, 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 the, in America, in the world, right? And, uh, and you are exposed, uh, were you exposed to the street dudes I'm by T.I.? Oh, I remember I come from that. <laughs> From Norfolk, right? So I'm from Norfolk, Virginia. Ah, come and on. So, so like that's like you know, that's my family as well. So like for me, okay. it's, it's understanding, right? Okay, oh wait, all the guys in my family except my dad in jail, right? Oh wait, it's all like I understand it, but I also understand <clears throat> their intent and their purpose. Like these weren't people that are that had malicious intent that were trying to do bad things. These were people that were trying to get money mm -hmm. and didn't understand. So my dad, even my dad talking to my dad, my dad's like, listen, I know what you're doing, but it's risky. Because if you start trying to get money and you do the wrong thing, they're in jail. Look at your cousins, look at your family, like you're here. So when I went into the street, I wanted to really learn how to make better decisions, but also understand why they were making the decisions they were they're making. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't completely sheltered, but I was a lot more sheltered in Virginia than, I was, than when I was, and I'm here in the middle of the trap and I'm coding in a trap house, right? <laughs> right, and I'm coding, or I'm, you know what I mean? And I, or I'm, I'm around people that are like, hey, you know what I mean? We gonna, we gonna do this, we gonna do that, we gonna do this. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's up, right? <laughs> and, and, and your first time, you're like, all right, but then over, the, over time, you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm comfortable here because the thing that I like about the street is I, I, I really respect their integrity on certain levels, once you get to a certain level, it's the exact same way that the corporate CEOs work. Mm. The exact same way that the, that the people in the street on the highest levels do business is the exact same way that I'm now doing business with the top phone companies. Mm -hmm. Negotiating the exact same way, using the exact same leverage, using the exact same power, using the exact same tactics. Wow. And then when I went into David Perdue, here's what's the crazy part. I'm sitting in there and I'm looking at the Republicans and I'm looking at their stat tactics and then I go into the middle of the street and I look at their tactics and I'm like, why do you look the same? Why is all of this the same? And then I'm starting to realize it's just power politics. It's just money, power, right? Understanding how you move those things, how mm -hmm. you do deals. Mm. It's all the same. Dang. That makes so much sense. And and for you to, you know, get the, the, the education, the life education that you got, you know, honestly and truly, 
that's the that's the armor that you needed with the mindset that you have. I'm almost thinking about like what when Ti first said it, you being their worst um, like nightmare, yeah. right? <laughs> He's like, yo, you're the worst nightmare. But without that exposure to the streets, right. I, I think that a lot of brilliant minds are susceptible to like, right. you know. Right. These power dynamics that you're mentioning. Exactly. And you have to be able to have both. Like mm -hmm. for me, it's like right now I'm really comfortable going to the street, going and setting up tents and, and going on every, we're going to take every neighborhood, every block, and we're comfortable doing that. And, mm -hmm. and as we're giving out tablets and giving phones, we're comfortable mm -hmm. doing that because we understand, hey, start with this, then you're going to get this, then you're going to get this, you're going to... I just watched them do it and I watched them build up millions. But then I'm over here and I'm watching a small business do it and I'm watching the politics start and start gaining vote. It's all the same. Mm. It's all the exact same. Uh, you un you've unlocked the key to the game. I think in theory, I know I, I know some of these things, right? But you don't know it unless you know it, right? So you do it. So uh, talking to you, I really appreciate this. Um, <clears throat> and you know what? I actually have a question about you. There's two things. One, you got a whole head of hair. Dealing in politics <laughs> and, and power and money, stressful. The word stressful just Whoa. rings a bell. When it, so this is a work and play podcast. And, but I also recognize being able to work with, or work with some of like the coolest people, right? And being able to be in politics, being able to create your own company, seeing that thing grow. I, I enjoy listening to those things. For you, where do you get enjoyment? Where do you get the work? Where do you see the fine line between those two? When I was younger, I was taught to live a passion, a purpose-driven life, mm. right? So, so right now, I love what I do. Like when I say I love it, I mean I love it, right? Like Moolah, I literally invented, and talking about what that is, right? I invented a phone system that pays people money to use their phone and gives them the tools they need to excel in life and then did a deal with AT&T and Culture Wireless to be one of the few wholesalers and the only black internet service provider. Combine the two together, and now I'm walking around giving out free tablets to everyone that needs it for them to make money for free. And giving you the most economical and the, and the most affordable home internet from one of the biggest giants in the country. That is fun. Mm. I'm sorry, that, <laughs> that is entertaining, right? But I don't want to pretend like it's not stressful as well, right? And so I still have my time. I love music. I'm gonna give y'all a little bit. Hey, shh, don't tell nobody. Um, keep this, you know? Hey, I know I'm talking, so hey, look, don't, don't snitch. Um, but, but yeah, so sitting next to Tip, I created the, so at Georgia Tech, I was created, I created the music production enclave. So most of the people at Georgia Tech, I produce a ton of music. I make a lot of music. Um, Tip doesn't know that. Don't, you don't know that still, bro. You don't know that still. Um, and so I sat next to the greats for about five years, right? Everybody you can imagine as the nerd and just sat next to them. At, and I sat next to the engineer. Mm -hmm. If y'all don't, if y'all haven't noticed, that's my tactic. I go in, sit next to them, learn how to be the great, mm -hmm. and then go home, replicate it, and then come back and be like, okay, I can do it now. So that's what I did. Mm. And so for me, a lot of time I'm in the studio a lot. So I've been working on a pretty cool project that's going to come out once I reach my, once Moolah and Culture Wireless hits the mark that we set, which is, which is coming soon. Oh. Um, but yeah, so that's a lot of fun. I'm a golfer. I love golfing, right? I love my family. I'm a, I'm a big family guy, right? Just had a baby. Yes. So, you know, love spending time at home with the baby, right? You know, 
teaching me a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's it, right? Like, that's just enjoying, enjoying life, enjoying the other things that come with it. But for me, all of it's the same. When I'm in a studio making music, when I'm giving out tablets, when I'm working on moolah, everything that I'm doing, it's a passion. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you see uh, the word, you know, focus? Or, or how, do you, how would you define focus? Do you see um, your music career, I'm speaking it into existence. Ooh, I was like, ooh, that was a big word. That was a big word. <laughs> I'm speaking it that into existence. That was a big existence. word. Okay. <laughs> I'm speaking it into existence. But do you see, like, um, the, any of the, the lanes that you're in outside of Moolah, do you see those as being um, fuel or distractions that you have to be, that you have to manage to stay focused? How do you see focus? What I learned is discipline. Mm -hmm. So for me, like when you're wrestling, when you're doing sports, you know every day, I got two a days. When I wake up, I gotta work out. When I go to, I gotta go to practice, and then I gotta perform. If he practices two, three times more a week than I do, he gonna beat me. That, that's hard to forget. <laughs> that's, that's just hard. Mm -hmm. So my day is moolah, culture wireless. This is what we're doing. This, this amount of things have to get done. This amount of things have to get done. This is how my time is broken apart. And then when I have time for the extras, I do that. But a lot of times I force it all into a schedule mm -hmm. to make sure that I have the ability to do it all. Um, being worn out, you know, tap, like going way too far is realistic. I do not want y'all to pretend, or, and I don't want to be the person to be like, hey, I'm this, you know, savant that never broke down. Oh, I done broke down multiple <laughs> times. I done had to go and stay with this, but like, listen, I can't do it. Mama, I just need a few months, right? Oh, well, I ain't gonna go home, but she can be like, she can be like, nah. But, <laughs> but the point is, is like, I, all of us hit those, hit those marks, and I think yeah. the wisdom is in learning discipline to say, this is my purpose, this is my mission, mm -hmm. this is my ministry, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm religious as well, right? And, and you know, I, I understand kind of, you know, how to get help and how to have faith. And when you have a ministry, nothing better throw off your ministry. Yeah. Nothing. Not, it, can, it can only be delayed, but not destroyed. There you go. Mm, I love it, I love it. I'm thinking about, um, the decision that you left, right? You you made a decision to leave I was, corporate. I think I was in, what, what the hell was I? I think I was my junior junior year in college. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So That's not pretty only, early. Not only did I agree to, not only did I say I was leaving corporate. Mm -hmm. I told them I was leaving college too. That's what I, I was gonna. So, <laughs> so you might tell yeah, us about like, how nah. did this? I'm like nah. Like <laughs> there's no purpose for college if I don't want corporate America. The only purpose for this degree mm -hmm. is to tell them what I know. That's it. So, I would rather my works tell you what I know mm -hmm. rather than their piece of paper. Because what I've seen is that piece of paper don't tell you the whole story. But right now, we focus so much on that piece of paper, and then that piece of paper gives us validation. Mm -hmm. We get into this club, and it gives us validation. My validation comes from my works. Mm -hmm. Was this a battle with your family? Oh, uh, it still is. Well, no, nah, it, now it stopped being a battle after 10 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, about, he's obviously like, not going. After about 10 years, what? Yeah, after success. Mm-hmm. After success. They're okay. Like, you turned down Google. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, I get it. But for me, I'm like, I understand who Google is. But Google's purpose isn't mine. So if Google is aligned with where I'm going, great. 
But y'all better be aligned exact. Come on. And if you're not aligned exact, and if my alignment, and if where I go and I learn something new and it changed, mm -hmm. you better change with me. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to come and have a conversation with you and say, hey, here's what I'm trying to do now. Does this fit? If this don't fit, you're wasting my time. That's real. So I'm like, well, if these CEOs are all 50, 50 plus, and they, it took them 10, 15 years to get there. That means they started at 35. And so what I'm learning now, they learned at 35. So if I can learn it at 22, by the time I'm 35, I can be them. Damn. You know what's crazy? I tell myself that I tell myself that all the time because I'm just like patient stuff, right, uh, Jack Rabbit. Uh, but but you like I gotta run, I gotta run. I gotta listen, run. you know you want it, you want it immediately. So you you said to this day, right? Um, and till success, they were like, okay, we need you to go back. What? I'm sure the bullheadedness came in handy because you just like I'm just not listening to that. Oh, completely. Did you at all waver? No. Nah. Nah. And the more they said it, uh, made you want to do it more. I'm a rebel. If they would have been like, you should just go and be an entrepreneur and just do everything, I'd have been like, let me let me consider that, but let me consider some other options. <laughs> but they're like, no, you need to do this because we're telling you this and we know what's best. And I'm like, that whenever somebody starts telling me that they know what's best, mm -hmm. I look at your works. Mm -hmm. Judge a man always about what they have done, not what they are saying. So if you're telling me I need to do this, then what I'm trying to do, have you done it? Yeah. And do you know how? And how do I know you know how? Because mm -hmm. the same way I walk in, and when I go and raise money, they're not going to say, oh, Vernell, hey, you want to do this? Great, we're going to give you money. They're going to go, no. How do I know you know how? How do I know you can? And can you prove it? So if that's the bar that I'm being held to, you think you're not about to be held to the same bar? And, and for me, it was kind of hard because I held my family to that. Right, and it was a bit challenging because I'm like, if you haven't done it before, don't tell me the path. Mm -hmm. Help me along the path, mm -hmm. right? This path, I'm gonna run into a lot of things I don't know. My ego is not so high and I don't know everything enough to know that I'm gonna have all the answers. But if you don't either, say that. One of the most important things I learned was, this is what I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can work with you if you, if you look, I'm really good at this. I know this really good. Look at what I did. I'm going to be with you. When you start talking about this over here that you read in that book and you ain't really sure, just tell me the book. <laughs> just give me the book. Just give me the <laughs> or book. give me the cliff notes just, and see just, if I can just, use the just, information. Just give it to me. Don't, don't come to me and, and give me your, your inferences and, and your, your ifs and maybes. That's right. And so it took me a little while to understand how to really and like stay true to that mm -hmm. i don't care who you are mom dad cousin whether you're the dean of engineering whether like it was it was jordan tech too like a lot of my they're like hey vernell this there's another path well have you done it mm -hmm. okay introduce me to someone that has that's real because what happens is well-intentioned mentors tell you about the path they send you off on the path and when stuff don't work who's gonna be there to help you navigate I just want somebody that's did it. Cause if you've done it, yeah. I know for certain mm -hmm. that you're gonna be there. And you, and most of the time, I don't even run into the problem. But for me, it's just listening to people that hadn't, right? Mm -hmm. And and understanding just when to receive more mm -hmm. and when to block it out. Mm -hmm. And when to just say, you know what? That's useful and I'm just gonna sit it over there cause it's not relevant yet. 
And so I think that's what I'm doing a lot more of the latter, right? Because I think a lot of the things that I learned, I'm like, you don't have the experience to tell me no. However, you've said so many things that are gonna be useful later. So I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna sit right there. You're gonna be a little offended because I'm not gonna go the way you're going. You'll be okay. But thank you for the information. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna combine that information with that mentor, that mentor, that mentor, this mentor, and then I'm gonna bring them together for my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna walk in peace because I know that I've done that. I love it. Now that you're on the tail, the heels, what are you, the head? You're at the beginning of fatherhood, right? <laughs> right. All this stuff that you got to say and that you said as a child, right? Um, I feel like what we what I hear, because I don't have kids, but children are karma, right? right? So now that you're going into fatherhood. Oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for him to come and be like, I ain't listening to nothing you saying, bro. <laughs> I, can't wait for, I can't wait for him to come to me and just be like, hey, show me. I ain't did that before, show me. But I think for me, Hopefully, I think my dad did a, did a good job of this too because I think when I started doing that, he could have responded in an aggressive manner. And don't get me wrong, we 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 still it was still an aggressive manner, but it was more like you know what, I'm gonna fall back a little bit, mm -hmm. and as you need help, I'm gonna sprinkle this here, sprinkle this here, sprinkle this here, because you do have to find your own path. Mm -hmm. And I think if I can do that even more so, at a, it took my dad, you know, five to years to do it. If I can do it before it even starts, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, you know, progress. I love it. Okay, well, I look, can you share your, is it your son? Yeah. Can you share his name? Aiden. Aiden. I look forward to seeing Aiden grow. And I am honestly and truly, if I am anywhere in the vicinity of that, I'm like, I just love people getting their karma in a good way. Right. You And you have your mind on on your the real the reality of you being able to say, like, one day my child's going to say, listen, you don't know this dad, especially if it's like, I don't know, something in something that you're passionate in or something like that. Right. Oh, I, I can't, can't wait for it. I, I, I love it because now it's just I know that I've trained him to be him yeah and not me that's real because most of the times when you have like when you're working somewhere and you're a parent you naturally want to then you want the best for somebody mm -hmm. so even if they're an employee you want the best so you're giving them your path but your path doesn't always correspond with who they are mm -hmm. so being able to have those aligned is something different yeah i got two more questions before one of them is about power. Okay. So um, in my program, it's macro social work. Okay. And it's way different than the child welfare systems that we're like used to seeing social workers in. But it, theoretically, we teach about power. We teach about um, alliances. We talk about community partnerships and creating those relationships with nonprofits or corporations that have the control. What's one of the things that you see novice or like as you're sitting back and you see other people try to approach TI or other people try to approach these these corporations? What's something that is not in the textbook that you know about power? <clears throat> that I think one thing that that I think has helped me a lot mm -hmm. is simply understanding what they require. I think I, I said that before, but that is something we overlook. We look at our textbook and say, okay, this is what it takes to get this money. Mm -hmm. This is what AT&T is gonna need. That's impossible. It's just like a relationship. Mm -hmm. You find a, uh, someone you're dating. Mm -hmm. This is what this person wants. This is what this man needs. He looks, I look like this. It, 
No, they have to tell you that. And that's one of the things that I think I've had to learn and I think everybody else kind of is a little bit off beat with, right? They'll come in and they'll say, hey, listen, he really gonna want this and he gonna want this and he gonna want this because I see it like this. Mm -hmm. Instead of going, you know what? What do you need? Mm. And, and the best relationships mm -hmm. come from what do you want? What do you need? And how can I help with that? And then if you can see how what you're doing helps them, mm -hmm. that is a very different thing than you saying, what I have, I know helps them. And you might be right, right? Half the time you may be right. What you have may help them. But going in and being receptive enough to allow them to tell you what they need before you assume what you has helped them, mm -hmm. is that's been one of the biggest things is just is just relationship management yes yeah, yeah. to me it's easy it, it, now I, it is now it like it's it's easy it's just you're going in hey what is it that you need what is it you want sit here let's take some notes okay you know what i'm gonna come back whereas before in the beginning i would have been like well i've got this 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 this, this. Mm, i'll come back to you and then let's go home and analyze what they said. Let's receive it. Let's do some research. Just understand exactly why they're saying what they're saying. Because the same way I got to this spot, they got to that spot. Mm -hmm. So the same way I may can see some stuff out of them that may not be normal, they might can too. Mm -hmm. So let's respect their genius. Yeah. And if we can respect their genius, then we can understand ours a lot more. That's a bar. Respect their genius. I'm a, I have to keep giving you context of why, because as social workers and you want to work with a corporation because they have the dollars, you have the vulnerable populations, you know the vulnerable populations really well, right. but they got the billion dollar check, right? Mm, I feel like the industry can be so like, we hate capitalism to the point where you walk into someone's establishment and you don't respect their genius. Right. That's, that's my... Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, just listen. Like, AT and T is AT and T for a reason. United Way, it don't matter. Nine profit. They're them for a reason. Ti is Ti for Vernell mm -hmm. is Vernell for a reason. Mm -hmm. Don't walk in and ignore what they've done and what they've learned. Now, if they haven't done something in the same light, okay, cool. Now have the wisdom to understand it. But you don't know that until you listen. Yeah, yeah. That's real. I love it. I love it. I think we are getting info from a lot of different perspectives in your mind. And I'm glad you can hang with the community engagement side of things. Like, I still haven't. We went through a story of you saying, like, it sounds like you maybe didn't know that social entrepreneurship was a thing. But internally, really intrinsically, you move with this social awareness. And you started these companies, honestly, with a purpose, with a social justice intent. And through understanding other people's motives and desires, you got You got You made it happen, right. right? So through you learning, through you living, you picked up a lot of these lessons. And I would say you're a social entrepreneur. I would say you're a great example okay. of a social entrepreneur. And so we can talk about that a little bit more from okay. book perspective to real, real yeah. perspective, right? So um, the last thing that I was thinking about um, is for corporate professionals who are still looking at the elephant, right? Like from right underneath, and they're still trying to figure out where's their perspective. First thing I like what you said is take a step back, right? I like to talk about understanding how you're affecting the different departments. At least I know you're doing this report every day. How does this how does this report 
affect the next work. Just understanding the next step of the work that you do. Um, but then, as you are thinking about from so many angles how politics they collude with corporations and the, and then the music industry politics like kind of all of it is intertwined what's a good first step for corporate professionals who may be short-sighted right depending on like who who agrees with my my decision or not <laughs> but what's the first step a good first step for someone who's in corporate and they want to figure out how to be more of a, a bigger thinker or they want to understand how to get to ceo status maybe it's their first zero of 10 years but what's a good first step in your opinion recognize the genius of the people that are around you that's it I love like it. like it's literally just if you're here and you're working in this department you're in a company so that company, it was enough to hire you. Mm -hmm. So they got some kind of genius, because you work there. So recognize what they really do. Why are they doing it? What's their purpose? How are they getting there? What departments do they have? What people are there? How are they doing this? And then go home, put together your vision board, and map out a genius. And then look at yourself and say, now, what's something that I care about? How do I do it? and then start mapping it out, at least so you can see, mm. this is what this looks like on a big scale. Then from that big scale, go one step further. Find a mentor that is already an entrepreneur and say, now if I want this big scale, how do I do step one? I would tell you to figure out step one on your own, but it, it's different based on industry and based on what you're doing. But if you just understand your purpose, your mission, and the problem. You don't gotta have the solution. Just pay attention to their genius, their mission, their problem, and how they put together their solution. Then you come down and say, all right, here's how my whole big picture built, and then go one step deeper and say, here's my mission, my purpose, my problem. Mm. And then from there, oh, you can get all the help in the world. You can come to me and say, hey, listen, here's what I've seen, here's this, all right, what do I do next? That's easy, that's easy but it's real difficult when you bring part of it mm. and now you're asking a mentor to help you put together the other pieces that realistically you can get while you're sitting at your job mm, bingo that's real i really have enjoyed this speaking of which you said people can come to you you right as vernell right they might have a good idea to come to you right so speaking of which how can folks who are tapped in they want to connect with you they want to work with you support you how can folks support you in this time yes <clears throat> well, one y'all reach out to me um black techie 89 on instagram um culture wireless on instagram culturewireless.com just you know uh, I'll do my best to make myself as available to the community as much as possible. Y'all probably will see me out there with the tent. I'm not there too much these days, but my goal is to be in the community as much as possible. Um, I like to be the change that I'm trying to trying to ask people to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, reach out, ask how we can help if I can, you know, pass somebody your way or, or do anything that I can. I, I always will. Let's go. I, I'm, I really hate this, but I didn't touch on culture. Why we didn't get into it. So before we go, you, come on, you got to give you a little bit. Yeah. All right. So the big picture, right? Here's, here's the big picture. Um, we've got this software that goes on every Android phone, takes the takes advertisement, splits it three ways. Customer gets one some phone companies get some, I get some. And then we went to AT&T. We've got tablets that are wholesale. 
We give them away to every single person on Section 8, food stamps, mm -hmm. Social Security, veterans, Indian reservations, anyone that's low income under the poverty line, pretty much everyone on any government assistance program there is. You can come and get a free tablet from us. You can also get AT&T services discounted in a way that you've never seen. We also, wow. also have partners that are running fiber ourselves. So we, you know, we're, we're touching on in the fiber, on in the network that you're on, on the devices you're on, and we actually own the software that, that are on top of the devices as well. So that's something Apple isn't doing. Microsoft, that, that's something we're, we're a bit unique and proud of. And we're doing it pretty well, so. We're also hiring. Let us know if you're looking for somewhere. Um, and if y'all, and listen, if y'all want to be bosses, the way we work, the way we try and hire the community, I hire people differently. Mm -hmm. Rather than putting in you into this fixed corporate environment, mm -hmm. I try and pay people with residual the same way I get paid. Okay. I try and I try and teach the tools that I learned to everybody on my team, because the objective is to, if I teach you, you teach them. You know. That's how we see more progress faster. I love it. I love it. I got one. I'm sorry. Come like, on. Because here's the she thing. She's like, no, I got more. I got because more. Because you said it. You said it. You gave them the roadmap for somebody in corporate. You said, map out a genius. And then, the, like, work on becoming. How do I become that genius? I thought that was dope. We talked a little bit about your aspirations and visions for Culture Wireless. And I would love for you to share a little bit of your, your, your vision, right? Like, what is it that you aspire to do on a larger scale? Five percent. I want 5% of the wealth that is currently not touching these communities worldwide to now go into these communities. Mm -hmm. Hard stop. I'm going to take the money that already exists from somewhere else and the largest corporations. I'm going to make it beneficial to them first. Then from there, I'm going to take that relationship and I'm going to bring all of those resources to the communities that need it. And I'm going to give it to them in a way that they can receive. Simple as that. They said if you can't break it down to a 10-year-old, then you don't know what you're talking about. So we just did it. If they're interested in supporting, uh, working with you, being hired, do they DM you or do they go to the website? Go to Culture Wireless. If, you if you're looking for a job, go to Culture Wireless because that's not going to come directly to me. Mm -hmm. I've got a team for that. So mm -hmm. go to Culture Wireless. Uh, just send us a message um, on the Culture Wireless website, on the Moolah Mobile website. Um, but if you're looking for, you know, music, you know, just help entrepreneurship, you know, you know, just life. Helping me with babies, you know, I'm, anybody that want to help, you know. He's going to need it. Listen, He's I'm, gonna I'm need listening to all of it. Y'all have done that. Don't worry. You have done that. So I'm listening all ears. Um, but yeah, just just message me uh, Instagram, blacktechie89. Follow me. Go from there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ronell. Thank you. I've been so excited for this interview. Thank y'all. You literally robbed the bank. I am happy to say that because I literally think that you guys got so much value from this conversation. I hope you guys can do something with it and you go take action. But until next time, I will see you on the next episode of the Work and Play podcast. Y'all be great. Peace.